Welcome to Season 3, Episode 1 of Middle School. I'm your host, Dario DeVette, and this season we're kicking off with an exclusive interview with none other than John Connor. Signed to Dr. Dre's Aftermath label and working with Dr. Dre for many years, John Connor decided to go independent, releasing his SOS album most recently, as well as his record label, All Varsity Music. We sat down with John to learn more about his career. But before we get started, I wanted to announce that we've launched our middle school Instagram page, at MDLSKL. We will find our playlist picks, our podcast catalog, and up-to-date news about the music business. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Another episode of Middle School Music, and today we, we're really honored to have, uh, to have none other than uh, John Connor himself live on, or at least record on the show. John, it's, it's great to have you your background as, as an artist, uh, you're somebody who I've been following for a good couple of years. Uh, you know, you've received praise from the likes of Buster Rhymes, The Game, Nas, Rick Ross, um, and, and, and fellow Michigan native Big Sean. Uh, you've been signed to Aftermath and worked with uh, Dr. Dre with, with two tracks featured on the Compton album. Uh, you have a banging mixtape history. A great let the man say hello, Dario. Let the man say hello. <laughs> no, it's all good. This is like, man, this is, this is the greatest introduction ever, man. Keep going. <laughs> great independent success and a new album release with SOS. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Oh, uh, man, it is a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you all so much for having me. Um, I, I'm humbled, man, by that introduction. Thank you so much, man. I told you, I told you he was a fan. <laughs> it's all good. It's all, man, like I, I always tell people, without supporters, what I do don't mean nothing, man. So thank you, man, for, for you know what I'm saying, for appreciating my art and, you know, helping me to live my dream, man. Thank you. Of course, of course. You know, I, I kind of, your, your career as an artist, you know, you, you, through the come up, you know, you've gone through many different eras of, of the music industry to some extent. You've, you've gone through the mixtape era, um, you know, to, to releasing an independent album with Unconscious State, um, which did well on the, the, the Billboard charts. And, and, and then moving into, um, you know, working with Dr. Dre and being signed to the Aftermath label machine and now going independent again in, in what is now known as the TikTok era. Mm. I, I know the recent live stream you had with Chris Weddy where you both mentioned that, you know, you're not the, you're not the TikTok type of people. Kind of right. curious to understand how you feel about the industry now, particularly considering your, your, new, your new position. You know what? Um, I guess I look at myself as, you know, I'm, I'm in the industry because I make music, but I'm really not of the industry as far as, like, just the way everything moves and how the, the big machine of the industry moves you know what i mean i think that's where me and webby connect that is because you know we still believe in making full bodies of work we, we you know we don't subscribe to you know people attention spans are so short that they just don't care about good music no more you know what i'm saying i don't believe that i believe that you know you know people are going to respond to what comes out of those speakers and if they like it they're going to rock with it so for me man um how i feel about the current state of the industry um you know, uh, it's cool because it don't affect me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I'm not gonna ever change my strategies or the way that I do things based on what, you know, the industry says or what the majority of people say. I've always been one that just does my own thing and I, 
you know, I, I march to the beat of my own drum. So it's like, no matter what the industry at large is doing, I'm still gonna just do what I do. And I think that the people that support me and support my music and have supported me throughout my whole career, I think that's one thing that they, you know, respect about me is that I'm gonna just stay me. I'm gonna keep doing me no matter what everybody else is doing. I'm gonna keep giving the people that support John Connor what John Connor does. I'm gonna keep doing that. I'm, I'm probably never gonna conform, you know what I'm saying? I'm just gonna, you know, keep doing what I do. And so the way the industry is, you know, it, it's all good for them, but it don't really affect me like that. So I, I guess I really don't think about it. John, can I ask, uh, you know, kind of you started and you kind of called Flint home for your life and you sound like a very proud Flint resident, but at the same time collaborating with people like Dre and, and other artists from other places, and then also the distribution side, how do you view kind of the location as being something that's important, right? Like if I think about the evolution of hip hop, you know, the East, the West, the South, you know, kind of Michigan then on the come up as well. And now kind of artists almost from anywhere being able to release music and distribute music. How have you seen that transition? I mean, have you found that it's gotten easier to kind of produce and distribute music I mean, we're looking at, you know, kind of your room and you've got the keyboard set up, the drum machine set up, you know, the whole kind of production side. You can kind of make the music there and release it and have it go anywhere. How have you found that that's maybe changed over your career in the music industry? Yeah, it definitely has, man. Because when I first started off, you know, it was all physical copies. It was all CDs and mixtapes. And you know what I'm saying? You had to actually physically go to these certain <laughs> Places to name up, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that's the grind that me and my dog Mateen Cleves, uh, we came up doing. We was that old school, how you hear about Master P, like going out the trunk of his car. That was us, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were out here, we was at every festival, you know what I'm saying? We were in every every city in Michigan, we was there, like handing out CDs, posting flyers and all of that. And I think that's the beauty of one of the, the upsides of the internet and the social media age is that now it's easier to connect with people. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to necessarily be in a million places at once because you can be at home and be in a million places at once, you know, just by, you know what I'm saying, clicking your video on and now a million people might see you. So I think that that's one of the dope things about where the evolution as far as the technology in regards to hip hop. Like, I think that that's so dope because it is a little, I, I don't want to say easier because it's still hard work, but far as if you got good product and if you believe in yourself and you stay true to what you do, I think that, you know, it is definitely, it is definitely uh, a lot more, um, a, a lot less stressful to get your music heard by a lot of people. So I'm, I love it. You know, I dig it, man. Because like I say, I'm a vet at this point. So it's like going from the CD era to now, I completely appreciate it and I love it. You know what I'm saying? If you got, if you got your product together and you believe in yourself, man, you're, you're going to get your music out there. For sure, for sure. I want to just take like a, a step back to kind of early 2013, you, when you were touring with Exhibit and he mentioned that he recognized your talents and he mentioned that he would would try and connect you to Dre when he could. And uh, uh, you mentioned in one of your previous interviews, which I've been, which I've been watching, I'm doing my research. Uh, uh, um, when he mentioned, you know, you had to be in California by 9 a.m. the next morning. Uh, how did, like, just, I'm so curious, like take us through the mind of John Connor. Like, how do you feel when you've been hustling so hard through just as you've said, 
to get to this pinnacle point, I mean, I, I understand you mentioned as well in a previous interview that that camp was the camp that you were actually going for. You know, you were yeah. finally, like, you know, your dream was, was, was coming through. Man, it was crazy, you know, because especially our whole lives, it's like being artists, you watch these movies and you watch TV and getting signed is like, that's the pinnacle, like, you know what I'm saying? And that was where my mind was at at the time where it was like, wow, like, you know, I worked this hard and finally it's coming to fruition. And it, and for it, for it to be with Dr. Dre was crazy because at that point, um, I I got to a point back in 2013 where I was like, you know what, I don't even want a record deal no more. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm completely cool doing my independent thing, doing what I do. And I remember saying the phrase to myself, man, it's going to take Dr. Dre or Jay-Z or Puff, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, it's going to take one of them at this point. And the power of the tongue, man, you know what I'm saying? It ended up being Dr. Dre. And at the time, man, it was a beautiful thing. Like, just where my mind was at at the time was like, oh, this is awesome, you know, to be able to learn and study under one of the greatest to ever do it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, that experience is priceless. And I've been saying, you know, my time spent at Aftermath was like college, you know what I'm saying? I went there, I studied, I learned, you know what I'm saying, from the master, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. One, one of the architects of, you know what I'm saying, this music yeah. that we do. And, you know what I'm saying, it's priceless. So I take those experiences with me, you know what I'm saying, now that I'm, um, you know what I'm saying, the CEO of my own company and I have my own artist. It's like I take those things that I learned while I was there and then I apply that to myself as an artist and I apply it to the artists that I produce for now. Completely, completely. So, uh, John, you might kind of recognize from the T-shirt that I'm a bit of a basketball fan. So yeah. when you mentioned kind of your, your homie, Mateen Cleaves, my kind of ears lit up a bit. Um, yeah. I was wondering, you know, like if you could tell us a little bit more about the background of that relationship. I mean, you mentioned kind of hustling and selling kind of mixtapes with Mateen Cleaves. And now he's still kind of involved in your career you know, like I'm somebody who's worked with good friends over my career. Can you tell us a little bit about that relationship and how some of the people around you have maybe influenced your career and, and what steps you've taken with people around you? Yeah, man, Mo Cleaves, that's my big brother, man. You know what I mean? Like we had the uh, the Flint connection as well, you know what I'm saying? Tied us together was, you know what I'm saying? Both of us being from Flint. Like I didn't, like it's like from my perspective, when I was a kid, I grew up looking up to Mo Cleaves. Like I was telling him, like we used to have certain days at school where it was Michigan, Michigan State Day, right? So you would go to school and you would either wear something that was uh, maize and blue or you would wear something that was green and white, you know, to represent for Michigan State. And I was always a Michigan State guy and I always looked up to Mo Cleve. So it, it was so insane, man, that he had uh, caught wind of one of my mixtapes and he turned into like a John Connor fan, right? So I'm performing at this uh, bar called The Loft in Flint, and he just happened to be there. And he like, yo, you John Connor, you dope. You you deserve to be on TV. You going to make it. And he was just so enthusiastic about my gift and about me and my artistry. It was just like from that point on, it was just all love. And the thing about it was before we even started doing business with each other, he's such a genuine person and a good hearted person that he just started helping me. He didn't ask for a piece of my company, didn't ask for any compensation. It was just, I believe in you and I want to see you make it. And it was like, from that point on, we was just bonded. Like, you know, me and Mo Cleaves, we're going to be rocking till the wheels fall off. And um, so it's just that he was, and another thing I want to say about Mo is that 
you know, he could have just looked at it like, you know, I played in the NBA. I'll just throw some money into this. And if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But he wasn't like that at all. He was hands-on with the grind. It was like, when we talk about passing out CDs, Mateen Cleaves from the NBA was out there passing out CDs with everybody, talking to promoters. You know what I'm saying? I remember times him damn near fighting with DJs, like, for them to play my music. So it's like, you know, that is my brother for life. And, you know, um, he's been on this entire journey with me. And now we restarted up all varsity music group. And it's a beautiful thing. It's like this time we coming back to finish what we started. And, you know, what I mean, like what well, one thing that we learned and we always believe in each other with that when me and him put our minds together, we are both two dudes that have the, set, the same exact drive, the same exact like just that that dog instinct, that killer instinct that we're not going to stop until we win. And so that's where we plan on taking the company now. And with the uh, artists that we're working with, it's like, you know, let's let's set out to make history again. Let's make one of the most successful independent labels of all time. And that's what we're setting out to do. Yeah, that's, that's, that's epic. It's epic. I mean, how, in terms of your experience at Aftermath or just being on a label and, and having the likes of label mates and, and now you, you, you've got all varsity music as a label and how does that experience, you know, being as an artist on a label such as Aftermath influence you as to how you want to run your company or AVM moving forward? Yeah, I, um, how it influenced me, I think, um, I think it, it let me know to uh, let artists be artists in a way of, you know, let them trust their instincts. And as a CEO, it's my job to believe in their vision. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's what, you know, I, I just want to let artists be free. I want to support them. I want to help them make the best art that they can possibly make and just whatever knowledge that I've gained, like, I just want to make sure I help them polish it up to make sure it's the best version of what they're trying to get across. And so for me, um, my time spent at Aftermath and how it affected me was just just because a song is done don't mean it's finished. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Ride around. Listen to it. Make sure you're happy. Exhaust every idea with every song. You know what I mean? Um, always make sure your vibes are positive and keep people around you that believe in what you're doing because that was one thing with Aftermath and Dre always kept a lot of, you know what I'm saying, energies around that were just as focused as he was and just as motivated and just as positive about whatever it was that we were working on. So that's something that I also take with me. It's like, yo, if you're going to be in my space, you got to believe wholeheartedly in what we're doing. And if you yeah. don't, then you can take it somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was so many things that I learned over there that I incorporate in, in what I do now, um, just from how I record in the studio. And just like I said, the support, being a support system for a younger artist, I think that I learned that that's very important to, as the bigger homie, always make sure you support and always make sure you put that, you know what I'm saying, that extra bit of encouragement behind the artist that you're working with. Yeah, I want to ask a little bit more about that because like I guess kind of things have changed like you were saying kind of taking the mixtape around to then having a label behind you to take it to um, radio stations or whatever else. And now it's kind of streaming platforms and things like that. You know, like how does that change with having like a, a roster of artists, right? Because like with Aftermath, you had some really kind of prolific um, label mates there. Right. And you kind of have limited attention or limited kind of time that you can go and kind of talk to this radio station or that radio station. 
versus now where you can kind of press go, right, and send it to all of these kind of platforms to get your music heard, right? How has that kind of change influenced how you're thinking about the artists that you're representing or working with? Man, I love it. I love it. I love the fact that it's that simple now. If we make a song that we like and we believe in it, and if we put it out and, you know what I'm saying, get it out to, you know, these certain platforms, that boom, overnight, bam. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got one. You know what I'm saying? It was like we were doing whole projects and giving them away for free in the hopes that somebody would listen to it. Now it's like, you know, with the algorithms and everything that, you know, puts your songs on different playlists and suggests, you know what I'm saying, your music to different audiences based on the person listening to this and that. Like, that is amazing that, you know what I'm saying, this system of streaming is working for you uh, yeah. even when you're not thinking about it. So it's like, I think it's a beautiful thing. And especially, like I said, with the younger artists that I'm working with, they just got such a, a spirit, that that creative spirit, that energy of just wanting to be heard, that hunger is in them so heavy right now. That is dope. It makes me as a CEO happy because it's like, oh, bet you ready to go. So we about to just put out music. You know what I'm saying? We just about to keep giving the people music and then hope something catches. But it's like we just in a place right now where we love hard work. We love the fact of regrowing the audience and regrowing the fan base, especially in the streaming era. Because like I say, it's like the music gets out to so many people now and you don't have to like just hand to hand one by one. It's like as we speaking right now, SOS is probably being heard by people in countries that I probably haven't even thought about right now, all because of how it's evolved, you know what I'm saying, with technology. So I think that it's a beautiful thing, especially for a company like us that just love making music and giving it out to the people. Well, I mean, you've got a you've got an insane work ethic. I mean, in 2012, you were dropping like what mixtapes every two months. It was insane. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. And uh, even now, you know, every New Music Mondays, kind of prior to the release of SOS, SOS has a lot of tracks on it. Uh, all your mixtapes have been, have been kind of full with, with, with great content and your albums. I guess, did, does that, you know, does timing frustrate you, you know, particularly when you're on a label and it's like, well, you know, particularly someone such as yourself who just loves putting the content out there and you're so passionate about your craft. I mean, in, in my opinion, I mean, you've seen it from from the the thank yous, you know, and you'll find what is twelve minutes of praise on SOS. How how my, how you're probably the most positive guy in hip hop, or if not the most positive guy in the music industry, and uh, it's reflective of your attitude towards your fans and the relationship you've built with your fans. Um, you know, so we just kind of love to understand. Like, it must be so frustrating for someone like yourself who just wants to kind of feed the hungry fans. Man, you know what? I look at it like. Um, anything, every, any and everything that you go through helps build you and make you stronger. You know what I'm saying? I think that everything that I went through was to make me the person that I am now. You know, I definitely had times of, you know, being frustrated or whatever the case may be, but it's like, and it's not, a, man, and thank you for those compliments about being so positive, because I think sometimes people think it's an act. It's really not. Yeah. I'm a, bro, I'm an Aries, man. We are annoyingly optimistic, bro. So it's like, you know, I'll I be feeling like sometimes when people ask me questions, they want, they, not saying this about you, but like some people like be waiting for me to be angry about something, but I don't really get angry about things. Like, you know, I'm really always like at peace. So it's like, for me, I definitely, there were times like of going through frustrate, like frustrating times, but I think we go through frustrating times in life, period. 
But you know what I'm saying? If yeah. I worked, if I worked, if I was a doctor, there'd be frustrating times being a doctor. Yeah. If I worked at McDonald's, there'd be frustrating times working at McDonald's. So it's like, I just think that that's life. You know what I'm saying? More so than anything, my time spent on the major was more of a learning experience. Yeah. And I took all of those things, the good times and the bad times. And I'm like, well, now I'm a walking testimony. Now yeah. these things that I went through can help somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's why we go through things is so that we can help another person not have to go through the things that we went through. And so, yeah, that's how I look at it, man. But just, you know, just know like, for me, now that I'm, you know, back doing my indie thing and I own my own company, it's back home. We about yeah. to keep hitting y'all with music Good. back Good. to back to back. You know what Good. I'm saying? So my yeah. lessons have been learned. And one thing that I did learn is that I I can't stay away that long. You know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love, I love giving people music and um, I just love giving my art to the people. But it was a learning experience. And I don't look back on it with any type of regrets or anything like that. I look back on it like, okay, this is lessons learned for me to teach the younger generation. Completely. Well, I mean, with your, your experience, as you say, it molds you as an artist, it molds you as a person. And the fact that you, you know, you, you take that experience as a positive, which it should be, and using that to just springboard you into this new era of music where you're more motivated than ever to just get your stuff out there. It's, uh, it's awesome. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned about the angry part because, dude, you can spit hard. <laughs> you know, you, you know, there's, there's nothing better than putting on a John Connor track and being able to go to the gym and being able to lift some weights, you know? <laughs> and, uh, uh, like, you know, people get tired of listening to the old stuff. We want something new that's beyond yes. track music in that traditional kind of almost dumbed-down music. Uh, you know, I, I like the fact that you're in front of mind and, and being conscious about hyper-relevant events and, and what's going on in the world and and, and and thinking beyond just, you know, what every artist has its place, but but what the, the current state of industry is today, at least from from my from my lens. John, can I ask on that note, like, so as kind of an entrepreneur now yourself with this kind of company that you're setting up with this roster of artists, you know, and having kind of seen the inside of like a larger label and executing that, you know, the business model of starting off as, you know, doing the hustle, selling the tape right? Kind of going in and performing and maybe not getting paid for that performance. Maybe if you're lucky getting paid for that performance to having a label do the production and taking on some of that cost and maybe making money through the label and having to give some of that back around production and distribution to now, right? And having to see kind of you're not selling physical goods where you can kind of say, here's the margin on kind of selling, you know, 100,000 records or 100,000 CDs and seeing kind of distribution. How are you thinking about it or how are you kind of helping your artists think about all the different ways that they can, you know, at the end of the day, make money, right? Like for artists kind of like thinking about whether it's licensing deals, whether it's distribution, whether it's performances, all that kind of stuff, you know, how do you go about kind of helping your artists kind of think about actually here are all the ways that you can make money as an artist? You know what? It's funny because I think within your question, you said it, it's like that. And that's another thing that I learned from being on a major I didn't know shit about like licensing. Like, you know what I'm saying? I didn't know, like before, like back in 2012, 2011, 2010, I had no idea. It was when, you know what I'm saying, I got signed to a major that I was seeing all these different avenues to where like you could create revenue streams. Like some of the, I, I hate talking money, but it's like some of the coolest times, I'll say coolest times was when like a song would get placed in a movie. Then you're like, damn, like, yeah. 
you could get that from like just them playing it for 30 seconds in a movie. Yeah. Like this is crazy. So it's like what I'm doing with my artists is educating them on that so that they don't feel like I used to feel like the way to make it out or the way to provide for your family is you have to sign to these major companies because you don't. Mm -hmm. Because if you're good enough, like I said, if you got a good team behind you, the door is open for everything you just said for, you know what I'm saying? Just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got an artist named Ace Cabana. He's really deep into like uh, cannabis culture, right? Okay. So it's like, boom, the, there's so many revenue streams, whether it's like just different uh, cannabis companies, different cannabis magazines, different, it's like, bro, Target, you know what I'm saying? Those things that you like the most and that you deal with the most, and there's going to be a way to monetize just you being you. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to go to the major label to get the bread. It's like, put the music starts to get the attention of who you are and builds up your character and who you are to the people. After they have the music and people know who you are, it's going to be people reaching out to you because they're going to want to associate what they do with what you do. And you don't need a major label for that. Just figure out who and what you are as an artist. And there's always a way to monetize that, like from basically just being who you are. So I teach that to them. Like, Yo, it's so many ways to provide for yourself within this business to where you don't necessarily have to sign your life away to a major company. And I definitely just educate them on that, about publishing and royalties and licensing and all of those things. That's a part of being AVM. We have this thing that I got uh, called industry etiquette. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like I actually teach them classes about the different parts of the business. Yeah. And it's like... I, I always told them, I'm not going to feel comfortable putting y'all records out until I know that y'all understand 100% the things that y'all need to know about this business and how y'all supposed to get paid. I feel like what we're supposed to do as the generation before, it's your job to teach the generation under you all of the things that you might didn't know when you was younger. Yeah, I, I just like to echo that because as an entrepreneur, having kind of built companies that did well and companies that failed, you know, that's kind of the thing now on the other side as an investor, you're trying to kind of help them make totally different mistakes, right? It's Absolutely. like, don't, don't make these mistakes that I've made. Let me help you kind of yeah. avoid some of these and let's make some new ones together. Yes. So I feel you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to kind of just shift gears a bit into SOS and, and, mm -hmm. and really shine the spotlight on there. It's, it's an awesome album. And when I heard some, you were finally releasing an album I was like man uh, I remember I was just, just uh, sending it off to Pahan and being like dude um, I, uh, I wanted to just kind of pick your brain a bit on, on kind of the thought process or the creative process behind an album like that you know and, and, and how you think about that obviously you've been in album mode for quite a while in a different kind of with a different emphasis and, and then you're looking for, for, for new subject matter. Like, can you, can you lean on uh, lyrics that you've used previously? Kind of, how do you think about, you know, the, the narrative? And as you've mentioned, you know, you're very focused on the idea of an album. And for me, for example, I actually still collect physical CDs. Kind of weird. I, I keep yeah. uh, and I love listening to an album cover to cover because I think it's important to have that cohesive story. Concept albums are, are great. Um, so I'd love to kind of understand a bit more behind the rationale of SOS. Well, people got to understand, like, so um, all of this music was recorded, you know what I'm saying, after I left the major label. So this was me in a whole different mindset, like everything, like, so just addressing what you said about it, it possibly using older lyrics, everything was brand new. 
yeah. you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, every from the production to the lyrics to the concepts, everything. And just to keep it all the way honest, I kind of went through like a spiritual growth phase, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, I started really thinking about my words. I started thinking about, you know, well, what am I, what, what energies am I bringing out of people when I rap? Because music is so important. It's music and everything. It's music in movies. It's music in cartoons. Music has, you know, is such an important part of our daily lives. And I used to always tell people, like, when somebody's listening to music, it's like um, they either want to be talked into something or talked out of something, right? Yeah. So it's like, let's say somebody want to rob somebody. They're going to cut on a song that's egging them on to go rob somebody. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. then if somebody's going through a breakup and they heartbroke, they're going to turn on something that's going to soothe that pain. So I started thinking to myself, well, what am I saying to people? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I really I need to, I really need to, like, you know, really study what I'm saying. And I, I just, just, just to sum that up, man, is my spiritual growth made me way more conscious about the things that I say and what am I attracting to myself? And when people are listening to my music, what when they're saying these words passionately in their car, what are they attracting to themselves while they're repeating these words that I that you know what I'm saying that I'm saying yeah. on these songs? Yeah. So the creative process for SOS was the first time that I was super duper aware and conscious of the impact that music has on people. Yeah. So it was like. I want people to experience the growth the growth that I've went through, but at the same time there are there are flaws within me to where it's like I'm not a flawless individual. I want to express that too, but I just want people to grow with me and it was just a matter of me being aware of what I was saying, but then at the same time it was like um I just want y'all to grow continue to grow with me. I want to express my flaws. I want to express the things that I've been through so that people could connect to it and know like, yo, it ain't over. It's not over until you quit. If you could listen to my journey and my story and I still kept going, hopefully that inspires the next person to keep going. I think that's what SOS is all about. It's just to keep pushing forward. Don't let the, the adversity stop you. It's not over until you quit. And that was pretty much the main message of SOS. And I think considering kind of the, what shape the world's in right now and everything going on, it's a message that I hopefully will resonate with a lot of people and kind of give people a lot of hope and and positivity. So I think thank uh, you. on behalf of the world, thank you for that. Uh, um, no, thank you, man. Yeah. So, so, but what, what's coming next, man? What's in the pipeline? What can we expect in the future uh, from John Connor and, and from kind of like the, the company and everything you're hoping to kind of do in the future? Well, absolutely. Um, well, next we got uh, the road to legendary, which is a five part docu-series that um, documents like my high school years, my underground years, my aftermath years, and then my time after aftermath to oh, restarting cool. all varsity music group. Yeah. So it takes you through all of those steps because like I said, I feel like I'm a, you know, I'm a story in progress that for the new John Connor fans, they might just be picking up on me and my music and all of that. So it's to update them on where I've been, where I came from, if SOS is their first time hearing me. But then also for the people that have been rocking with me, it gives them the answers and it gives them like sort of the insight of 
what happened, where did he go, like, and how, what our mindset was at different points of the journey. So the road to legendary, uh, shouts out to my man Patah, who directed it, and uh, me and Mo Cleaves executive produced it. It's really, really, is is. I don't want to gas it, but I think it's really good. Um, so the road to legendary is next. Um, my artist Ace Cabana, his project Moonwater, I produced it from top to bottom, which is dope for me because this is the first time there's an artist that's not John Connor that I produced a whole album. So Ace Cabana, Moonwater, we looking to drop it in July, August. And then SOS 2 probably is going to come out. October, November, and if people just want some more John Connor, I got a couple best in the world tapes yeah. still in the tuck. So yeah. if people like Connor, what's up? We need some more music. I got that in the tuck as well. So th those are just a couple of things that we got coming, but immediately next is The Road to Legendary and Ace Cabana and then SOS too. You've made my co-host Dario very happy. He looked very happy. <laughs> the thought of more, more John Connor music has made him a very happy camper. Man, Dario, thank you, man. Like, <laughs> for real. Thank both of y'all. But, uh, Dario, you my man 50 grand, dog. <laughs> like, for real. No, man. It's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's amazing having you on here, man. Like, uh, you know, funny enough, I'll just say this. Like two years ago, I had this idea of starting a podcast and talking about the music industry and Farhan and I worked together and, uh, you know, we, we spoke about, it took me a couple months to get the confidence to say to him, Hey man, like I want to start a podcast. And I said, it was, it was March, 2018. I said, the first guest I want to interview on this podcast is John Connor, because I, I really used to speak about you a lot back when I was, you know, I'm South African when, when I was living there, I'm now in London. And uh, a lot of people have taken a lot of interest into you. And it's, it's amazing uh, that you've actually got the level of engagement you do with your fans and your willingness to even do this. So, you know, we're, we're highly appreciative of it. Uh, you know, oh, I always love, man. Listen, let me tell you something, man. We're all human. We all one race. We the human race, man. And, I, you know, with everything that's going on, we all one community. We all share this world together. You know what I mean? So, bro, I've never been the type of dude that got caught up in, like, uh, I'm an artist and I treat other people like this, and it's yeah. stupid. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I wasn't that way in high school. Like, the dude that I'm popular, you're not. Nah, I hung with everybody. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? We all, you know what I'm saying? We all won. And I think, you know, that's my biggest thing, man. I want to just break down those walls within humans that stop people from communicating based off shallow superficial stuff like you know what i'm saying it's like okay i make some music that people like that don't make me no better than nobody man it's somebody out there right now it's a doctor out there right now saving lives i if you look at it from my perspective bro i've always looked at it like that those are the people that should be on pedestals like you know what i'm saying i just i make music like you know what i'm saying and i'm i'm grateful but it's like there are people like firefighters and shit like that that literally like risk their lives like every day so it's like that's what you know when people call me humble or whatever it's like i just have a certain perspective that it's like yo I'm grateful that people appreciate what I do, but I feel like there are so many people out there, man, that deserve that pedestal, that go out and like save lives and actually help people. Like think of all of the people during this pandemic, the doctors and nurses and RNs that are out there legitimately like saving the world. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. To me, those are the people that we should celebrate and have like, you know what I'm saying? These moments and pop bottles for. It's <laughs> like me, I make music. 
I, I do what I do and I'm a part of this big puzzle called life. But as far as like that whole thing where people treat people funny based off of their profession, I just think it's silly, man. Well, I think that's that's a really kind of epic point to kind of like close on. So, John, thank you so much for, for the time, for the energy, for the positivity, and most of all, for the music. Uh, maybe you want to tell kind of our listeners, viewers, whatever, where they can find you, where they can kind of keep track, and where they can hear your most recent stuff. How do people get a hold or get more of John Connor now? Well, streaming on all platforms, SOS, go, whether you got Tidal, Spotify, Apple Music, don't matter, Audio Mac, it's on all of that. Please go check it out. And please uh, like, uh, hit me up on my social media. It's at John Connor Music on Twitter, Instagram, all of that stuff. So, yeah, man, just catch me, catch me like that, man. And when um, all of this stuff dies down, man, y'all can catch me live. Um, and I love chopping it up with, with the people, the supporters, man, because I love y'all so, so much. AVM is the people's label. We need the people. We do, you know what I'm saying? Indie artists need the people. So, you know what I mean? So without y'all support, man, what we do don't mean nothing, man. And I just want to say thank y'all again for having me. I truly, truly appreciate it, man. What's a legend? As a plug, just to remind you that you can find us now on Instagram on at middle school MDLSKL for our latest playlist picks, our podcast catalog, as well as all the latest news on the business side of the music industry. Ciao for now.